my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome, everybody, to the first episode of Big Money Energy, where I speak to very successful, self-made people to learn exactly how they did it. We cover the stories in between, the path to their successes, and how they overcame the obstacles in their way. And specifically, I talk to people who not only have big money energy, but those who started with nothing, because I really, really want to learn how you went from nothing to something. Because big money energy is the vibe you get from someone who is succeeding at life in every direction. And today we have Damon John. And in this episode, if you are interested in anything relating to entrepreneurship, building wealth and learning from failure, you need to stick around. We go through his first business selling pencils and getting beaten up. We talk about his bankruptcies. We talk about dealing with morons, how to be a shark, and most importantly, how you go from 40 bucks to six billion. All right. Today is an insanely, insanely special day because my guest is none other than Damon 
John. Hey. Damon, how are you? I'm good, man. Now, you look good with like the leather and the Yankees hat. Yeah, man, I'm trying to be cool. Now, if you don't know Damon, I don't know who you are, and I don't know why you're even listening to this, because you should. Damon is a serial entrepreneur, investor, TV personality, five-time best-selling author. He's got his new book out right now, Power Shift, which is incredible. He's also on a little TV show. Um, I can't remember. It's uh, Fish... The fish, the fish ball, uh, shark, yeah, Shark Tank, the Shark Tank. That one nominated for fifteen Emmys, won four of them, which is amazing. Damon, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man, how's your day so far? Great, so good? it is great. It's Monday. I'm calling it Moron Monday. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there's a lot of morons out in the world, man. There are, dude. It's amazing. So I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about that because that means I can make more and more money, and so that everybody listening can make more and more money if they because morons buy more stuff. Well, morons are idiots, and if you have common sense and you're willing to work hard and bust your ass for it, the morons won't, so it's Moron Monday. Ah, got it, got it, got it, right, because you can outwork everybody else who's just not doing anything. Yeah, because they're just not they, doing they're getting information from one source and or they're idiots. Yeah. I mean, it's really Moron Monday, I'm telling you now. You know what's funny? I moved to New York City in 2006 when I graduated college, uh-huh. and a way to make money for me when I first got here, because I was trying to be an actor, and I was, before I ever got into real estate in sure. 2008, I would do little things, like I'd pass out flyers on the street for gyms, like I would do odds and end jobs, and one of the things that I got was like a stock photo job modeling FUBU. Nice. Yeah. I don't know where those photos are because I think they were burned. <laughs> Why? But I was probably What's the that? worst FUBU model no, anyone has ever no, seen. No, no, no. You still do you, do you remember FUBU those? Model. Do you remember those photos? I, I didn't remember yours. Okay, see, because they maybe were terrible. Not. No, maybe not. I mean, thinking about that, that was probably about 15 years ago. I mean, but we always had really attractive and people we felt fit the part. And you know what? I think a good point of it is that uh, a lot of times, you know, talking about more on Monday, a lot of times uh, people thought that FUBU was only for people of a certain color. And we wouldn't have used, obviously, not, no, you're I'm, not the color that they're thinking. I'm going to give them a different color. And obviously yeah. we had probably used the photo because, you know, we, we used people of all colors in our ads. Yeah, I remember. Well, thank you, man. Yeah, thank you crazy. for being part of the brand. So listen, one thing, I, I want to start with this. I want to keep it super simple. I want to yeah. see how you respond, okay? How did you go from nothing to something. And what does that mean to you? Um, I went through it through massive amount of failures, um, but I was failing small and quick and I was learning from them. Uh, I went through uh, life as a series of mentors. So I went through so many different mentors to try to obtain the information that I didn't know I had, yeah. uh, that I didn't know what to do. Cause when you start out in anything, you don't know what you don't know. I went through a lot of soul searching and realized what was my why and why was I doing this and what did I want to get out of it and what was my line in the sand and what I would agree upon or not agree upon. I went through a lot of common sense too. You know, I looked around and everybody said, you can't do it. I was, I was like, well, why are all these buildings here and all these cars here? Who, who did it? Yeah. You know, was it, was it the gods who did it or was it one person with one idea that took one action? I was like, it's common sense. You can do this. The, the, something, and I just read a lot. I read, I read a lot, and I and I and I noticed that the things that I would read, if I found the same underlying truth in these twenty or forty books that were written by different people at different times in their life and different times in history, what are they all lying to me? Mm-hmm. Like it's it's right there. It's right there. Just a lot of common sense and drive. So. So you saw success from other people and that's what drove you? That was your kind of your why, your driver? What was the what was the why? My why initially was get some funky sneakers from for myself because mom wasn't making any money and why why make her work for mine? 
Uh, then it was supporting a household of me and just my mother, honestly. But I didn't want to be on the streets. And then, it, then, it, then I made mistakes going to wrong businesses to try to make money, thinking that you know I was going to be a gazillionaire by twenty. And I was in, you know, I was broke by twenty because I was doing it only for money. I had, I had no passion or drive for it. So. Sure. I didn't want to work on it. Yeah. Then my why became, wait a minute, there's an untapped market that, that we're being neglected by all the big designers. They think that hip hop kids are like, you know, or, or rappers or whatever are, are not of value. And I want to make clothes for people who love this genre of music, you know, and that's when I created FUBU and it was Forrest Bias. It was about a culture. I mean, I would, I would dress the Beastie Boys. I would dress LL Cool J, Run DMC, Salt and Pepper. And that was my why then. And then my why would change over the lives as over my time of uh, running a business to say, okay, everybody's going to laugh at me if this thing fails uh, and they're going to think I hit the lotto or got one bite of the apple. I got to keep going because my ego's in place. And then had two little baby girls and my wife and then employees and my why just kept changing. What was your first business? You mentioned cars and uh, my first business was selling pencils at six years old. My pencils at six? Yeah, pencils at six. Was there, yeah. was there a good return on those pencils? Like amazing return. Because uh what I what I realized when the boys like the girls in school at that age, they would try to knock their teeth out. Oh, right? So I figured there's got to be a way I can make a profit off of this, right? So I would <laughs> okay. go out and find these pencils. I would scrape the paint off the pencils, and I'd paint the names of the prettiest girls in school on the pencils. And I'd Shut walk over up. to the guys and go, you don't want to knock our teeth out. If you buy this box of pencils from me with your lunch money, you're going to be able to sit with the girls and give them the pencils. Wow. And get to talk to them. And then the guys would try to knock my teeth out. So <laughs> I was about to throw the pencils away, and I remember one of the girls saying, hey, that's my name on that pencil. Is that mine? I was like, uh, yeah, it is. <laughs> The girls paid me two times the amount of money that I was trying to sell it to the guys for. It's a market idea right there. But my principal made me close that business after one month. What? Where's that principal right now and what are they doing? Yeah, she, she had no vision. That's exactly the problem because one of the boys squealed on me and told her that I was stealing the pencils from the guys that I hated in school. So my cost of goods was zero. Yeah, right? clearly. So I, think it was, I think it was a good business. But there was some personal risk involved in, in the selling pencils to the people business when you're six, right? Uh, not as far as that I saw. <laughs> well, if they punched your lights out, right? If they knocked you out. Yeah, but then there's yeah. still a return, I guess, if the girls yeah, bought it. but listen, I, I practice the oldest form of self-defense there is, running. Yes. You can never catch me. <laughs> I, was, I was really short and really fast. Now, a question, though, like, was your, and I know your why has changed over the years, but, you know, don't go back to when you're 10 years old. I'm just thinking, like, what motivates you to come up with different business ideas and think about different ways to make money? I know back then it was like sneakers and, and make some cash. But was it also to do something different? Like were you, was there a hunger for you to create something instead of just, you know, making money? Because we talked to a lot of people too. Who just, it's just the money, right? And you can see it on them. You can smell it really? when they walk in the room. Yeah. I, the people that I've always met that have been really successful entrepreneurs, okay, yeah, if you're in the financial trade market and the systems like that and it is money, but they still love the kill. They still love the, the game. The game. They still love the way that their mind works. You know what I mean? I don't care if you're a professional gambler. You, it, money is the outcome, but they still love the chase, the game, the way they break things down, the way they see opportunity. My real why came around with FUBU, and that was when I, I found my love. I had loved fashion ever since I was 10 years old, and I had loved hip-hop ever since I was 10 years old. I blended them together when I was 19, not realizing that I could make money off them, and then I failed a bunch of times up until 19, and I would I would still fail with FUBU. From 19 to 22, I would close it three times by running out of capital. But then in 92, I started it again, and that's where the real love came. It came around like, well, I close it. But then people started saying, I bought that shirt from you and I really want to see it again. I 
I started again. I closed it, and I kept closing it, but it kept calling me back. And that's when I found my real love and my really my real why. Yeah, yeah, it was just giving people what they want. You know, it did a lot of things. It gave people what they want. I would I would make a shirt, and then somebody would wear it, and I would and they would wear it a certain way, and I would go, I never thought about it like that. That yeah. that shit is hot. I love the, you know, or, or somebody when they bought it, I felt like they said, and you know, I know that you feel this way, you know, you have to feel this way and being successful. What you do is I, I made them feel like they've arrived in some way or another, even if it was that one moment that they took a girl out or they were out with a guy and they were wearing their brand new FUBU shirt. Yeah. Right. Like a statement piece. For, yeah. For that moment, they felt like they arrived and I would. I would have dressed people for the rest of my life for free if I could have. I just loved it. So what happened in 1992? What was that shift? I mean, what, because you shut it down a couple times yeah. and brought it back. And I've read and we know, you know, how, how important your mom was yeah. to a lot of this, right? Yeah. In 92, I realized that I was going to make a stand and I was not going to quit this thing. And I need to educate myself more. And I brought in... Uh, partners, my three other partners that are still my partners till today. And I had already made all the mistakes prior. So now I knew what I didn't need to do. You know, a lot of people who are successful in business, they go through things and they may have five or 10 businesses. The first business, they didn't have enough funding, so they shut it down. The second business, they had enough funding, but they didn't have distribution. They shut it down. The third one, they had funding distribution, but their legal wasn't in order. Boom, 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 boom. By, yeah. by business number 10, they're like, holy shit, I, I you know, I, I may have something here. I think that's super important to all the listeners that are watching and listening now who are growing up or are learning how to start a business and they are, they've got Instagram, they've got Twitter, Facebook, yeah. Snapchat, TikTok. How do you get the word out about clothing um, the way you guys started in the early 90s without millions and millions and millions of dollars to spend and commercials and magazine ads? How do you do that? Yeah, you know, it, it, and that's exactly what I know we'll get into power shift. It's about it's about the building of influence prior. And that's what we're talking about. I'm gonna tell you now, if I if, if social media was out when I started FUBU would have not been a $6 billion brand. It would have been a $100 billion brand over the years. Because, like, you look at a Nike right now doing about $30 billion a year, right? Yeah. We would have probably done about $10 billion a year annually for— Had you started now. Had I started now. I mean, I had to literally—I I sold your shirt. I had to find you. Yeah. <laughs> the internet did not exist. Yeah. Cell phones didn't exist. I had to find where you live to sell you another shirt. And how did you keep track of all those customers and to be able to build your fan Old base? Old school, I used to keep their phone number. I used to tell you them. you have a book? Like literally you had a book? I had a book. I used to tell them, you know, listen, Friday nights, you know, I'm going to be in the corner of the Apollo Theater at 12 o'clock. When that thing lets out, I'm telling you now, you better be there to get your shirt first because I'm going to sell out. So not only was I giving them consistency of where I was going to be, I was telling, I knew their names and I was telling them where to find me. I promise. I kept that promise. I don't care if it was 10 degrees. I was there that day. So people could night, expect you. That night. Also, I was getting feedback. Here's the best thing. You want feedback? You stand on the corner of the Apollo Theater at midnight when those drunk people let out and they would tell me about what they thought about my shirt <laughs> and my mother. <laughs> you want feedback? Oh my God. Yeah. And it grew. Much and I safer to, behind Instagram in person much, at much, midnight. Much safer, but I, I had to work. You know, my partner and I, we worked it for about eight years like that. And I don't care. You, eight years. Consistency, yeah. We had to be consistent. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. 
Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English, and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. Hey, it's Zuko and Kayla from The Wake Up Call. Enjoy your podcast, but when you're done, don't forget about us. We have a radio show. We try to bring a smile to your face every morning. We also talk to some of the hottest country stars of today, and we like to share some good news with That's What I Like. Because Lord knows that's hard to find. When you're done podcasting your podcast, listen to us at 92.3 WCOL. Set your preset on your radio right now, and don't forget you can listen to us online on the iHeartRadio app. When did you get into office space? When did you first kind of take a step back and realize, you know what, things are going to be okay and they might be better than okay if we keep doing this? Yeah, it was never going to be okay. It was either going to be, guys, all right, now the real journey is starting, right? We're, we're playing at a big level. Uh, 1997, uh, Samsung's textile division and these guys named Bruce and Norman gave me a call and they gave us an opportunity um, to to come up there and we, we, the agreement, I think we had to sell $5 million worth of clothes in, five, in, in three years to keep this distribution deal. Because they were going to distribute our clothes. Um, it's like a record label getting a record, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know? So $5 million in three years. Yeah, but I did $30 million in three months. And Damn. Because and, we had already built up this influence for 10 years or nine years. And all of a sudden they gave you a megaphone, right? Gave us a megaphone. They were like, okay, now we can manufacture and distribute. Do what you do best. Yeah. And that was it. We were... Dressing Game everybody over. in every single video. We were every place. We won every corner. And those ambassadors that we had built that influence with, somebody would say, hey, you know, I'm the FUBU guy or I'm the FUBU girl in Detroit. And we would have a hundred of those in Detroit, a hundred of those in Atlanta, a hundred of those in North Carolina. Organic. And this was Crazy. viral before it was viral, right? We built this relationship with LL Cool J. He goes and puts FUBU in the Gap ad. He, he does a Gap ad and he puts For Us, By Us on the low in the Gap ad. Gap spends $30 million airing that commercial. It's yeah. a FUBU commercial they're basically airing. Yeah. Um, there's so many big things that happened at that time for us, but it was a culmination of, if you really think about it, I started in 89. By that time, nine years or whatever the case is of uh, just, just pounding the ground. Now, it's going back to what you talked about, you know, one of the things I think people don't really understand these days when they like when they look at somebody like you and they say, "Okay, successful. Yeah, I know he's got some sort of backstory, but is the Red Lobster working Red Lobster. That is a hustle that people just don't get anymore. Like what you said, your your job 
when you started was you worked at Red Lobster. The yeah. majority of your day was working Red Lobster. Yeah. Right. And then it was getting FUBU off the ground, watching it fail, getting it back off the ground, watching it fail. What was Red Lobster to you? Yeah, just like you with the Flyers. Red Lobster was my basis. I had to keep the lights on, and everybody talks about, you know, burn the bridges and quit your day job. They're, whoever said that's an idiot? Because if you look at I worked at Red Lobster for five years, and I got paid $30,000 a year. I had medical. I was taking all the food home, so yeah. now I didn't have to pay for food anymore. I was having the entire staff of Red Lobster come to flea markets with me on Saturdays and help me. I was trying to sell the customers right after they bought their shrimp. Do you want a T-shirt? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and then at the same time, my house, I was renting out all the rooms in my house. I had four rooms, so I was renting them all out for $25 a week to strangers, and I was sleeping on the couch. So now I had some of the mortgage paid. I was working all those hours at Red Lobster, and I had to do that for five years. I would have had to do $2 million in sales in FUBU to, to take the same money away from yeah. there, and I wouldn't have done $2 million in sales. I was sleeping next to sewing machines. You know, I was I had an old beat-up car, a jalopy. I mean, that thing was, um, I, I don't know where it is. But yeah, you find I, that car. it's not, trust me, it's not around anymore. <laughs> it's not around anymore. It can't be. And now you're successful and everybody knows it. So why Shark Tank? I mean, is it just because you're, you're hungry for more? You want to meet more people? You want to help more people? You invest in all these different businesses. You know, that's, it sounds almost like a stupid question, but it's kind of not because you've, you've lived so much life and had so much business that people could only even dream of. Why Shark Tank? What does it My do for you? My why has changed on Shark Tank. You know, initially when I, I turned down the show because they said I couldn't do any of the show while I was doing Shark Tank and I was uh, representing the Kardashians and I was doing various things with the Kardashians. So I said no. Khloe Kardashian fired me off the show because she heard that I was turning down Shark Tank because of her. Then I heard that on Shark Tank, you have to use your own money. I'm like, these these guys in Hollywood are pimps. Yeah. You're supposed to get paid to be on a show. Are you crazy? And then uh, somebody said to me, well, Damon, you're only getting pitched clothing ideas. And I had 10 clothing companies at the time and eight of them were dead. This is 07, 08 when yeah. retail not working. I said, I'll go on the show because if I'm talking to a retailer, I want to take up more real estate in their in their area and I only have clothing. So I'll go and get some lotions. I'll get uh, I'll get electronics. I'll get whatever. So then when I'm talking to you, I'll go, can I be in these other departments? And because we have a nurtured relationship, like we're always talking about, you'll say, yes, I'm more comfortable with you because I know you're a good vendor. You've been a good vendor record for years. Something goes wrong. You'll take it back. We have a good relationship. Yeah, I go on there. Then I start to realize the power of it, the show. And I start to realize I'm learning more on the show than the people on the show. I don't learn too much from the morons on, on the other sharks. They're the chairman of Moron Monday. <laughs> but I learn from these other kids who are coming up now all of a sudden. They're selling clothes a different way. They're online. They're doing social media conversion. They're doing this. They're doing that. And I'm learning all these other industries and I'm applying it to myself. I wasn't thinking about what we do now, content creation. I wasn't thinking about all these other things. I would have been like my old, uh, like some of my colleagues in the industry, I would have been the same old guy going, let me make a shirt. Hopefully a buyer buys it. Hopefully they put it on the rack in a dying retail environment. And maybe somebody walks by the rack and buys it. I'd have been that same person. But again, Shark Tank has grown to something else and it changed my why. Yeah. So how many different businesses are you involved with now? Can you remember? I would say out of Shark Tank, probably about 80. Um, but, and I know it sounds daunting, so let me clarify. Let me, that let is me, daunting. Let, let, yeah, it, it yeah my be. jaw just dropped. Yeah, let me clarify that. One third of them are the walking dead. Giving them the money or we've done a deal and they're dead and or they are trying to come around. There's nothing for me to do there. Call them up and ask them for the money? No. I mean, I'm a partner, right? Sure. And things may work out. It may not. Another third of them, like Bomba Socks, are brilliant. They don't need me. If I call them, I may fuck it up. 
Yeah. <laughs> they don't need me at all to call them and say, yo, you should make the logos bigger. They'd be like, thank you, Damon. Click. <laughs> so now the, the, the ones I got to concentrate on the ones right on the fence. They're going to move either over to one of those other lanes and they call me when they need me and, and we work it out. And they need your help. If they need my help, absolutely. And I'm here. What's your favorite business you're working on right now? Uh, my favorite business? Well, of course, because we're here, I'm going to talk about the book, but other than that, because it's content, but you know, I, I, I like my, I like my curriculum, my Damon on demand. I, I yeah. give step-by-step lessons and, and the information people need to know to run a business and understand the difference between if you need a trademark or you need a patent or you need a DBA or you need a, a design trademark against a utility patent or whatever the case is. Cause and financing, when you get financing, how do you get financing? Who do you get financing from? So I like that one because it helps people in say, them from the mistakes that I made. When did you put that course out? I put the course out about a year. It's uh, You can go to DamonOnDemand.com and, and get that course. And, uh, you know, I'm starting to see the students come back who are growing their business or starting a business and saying, this is actually working. So it's your it's your whole life and everything you know and all of your experts and people you work with Absolutely. all boiled down in, in eight hours. So you can get a basically your, you can get every, your uh, business degree. I'll give you an example right now. Everybody always wants a patent. Well, a patent can cost anywhere from 17000 If you do it yourself, right, yeah. a utility patent or whatever the case is, you do it just yourself. No attorney it costs you maybe three thousand dollars but but you could probably uh you know an attorney seventeen thousand all the way to a hundred because of how many claims you have in a patent i have a hundred patents i haven't been able to defend not one of them however yeah. a trademark fubu f-u-b-u costs twenty five hundred dollars yeah you can't put fubu on anything that's it. Now, $2,500 per category. Then you get more categories at $300 or $400. That means you have it in category 24 and then category 17 and 24, 25, maybe clothing. But think about it like this. Somebody right now who has been told they need a patent has spent $50,000 when they just need to spend $2,500. On the trademark. They didn't, they, really, they didn't know what they needed, yeah. My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. It's the Breakfast Club, the world's most dangerous morning show. Hey! Angela E is kind of like the big sister that always pokes you in the forehead. <laughs> awesome. That's not how it goes? That's not how anything goes. Yemi's really like a robot. One of the best DJs ever. Believe that. Charlamagne is the wild card. And I'm about to give somebody the credit they deserve for being stupid. I know, that's right. <laughs> what is wrong with you? Oh. Listen to The Breakfast Club weekday mornings from 6 to 10 on 106.7 The Beat. Columbus is real hip-hop and R&B. If you could go back in time and stand in front of your 20-year-old self or go back to 1989, right, on that corner, that inflection point, that aha moment when that happened, you yourself right now, right, you take the DeLorean, you go back there. What do you say to him without fucking him up? Funny, I watched Ellen DeGeneres the other day do a live, not comedy, she was just doing her speech or her whatever, yeah. Q&A. She says she, she, says she wouldn't tell her, older, her younger self anything because then she wouldn't be who she is today. Yeah. Me, on the other hand, I get it. You're right. Um, but I would have I would have said, Damon, you've got to learn financial intelligence. You gotta learn how money works, man. You've got to learn how money works. The system has not been set up to let you know how money works. You are you're the only thing you're not gonna learn in the school system, well not the only thing, but you're not gonna learn how financial intelligence works because then you can't 
get $300,000, $400,000 worth of loans on an education you're not certain if you want. Yeah. I need a financial intelligence. I, I'd go I'd go almost bankrupt three times after that. Now, two of the times I almost went bankrupt, I didn't have anything. So bankrupt wasn't, you know, wasn't that, uh, you know, wasn't that much of a loss. It was, sure. it was, it was almost like a, you know, break even. Uh, but after that, I would, I would blow about, I would not blow because it wasn't on stupid things, but I would go through about 10 million fairly quickly. Thank God I'm not an athlete or somebody who peaks at the beginning of their career, but uh, you know, I had many more bites of the apple and I was fine. But I learned from that. I said that where'd that 10 million go? Yeah. I just didn't know how it worked. So you'd say become financially literate. That's what you'd say to your yeah, 20 Financial year old. intelligence. Yeah. Work on finance. I'm still working on finance. Every, you know, the, the richest and wealthiest people I know, billionaires, I mean, guys with big money, they walk around with, and they're just older, but they walk around a book and all they do generally is discuss or when they hear about different ways to legally save on taxes, that's what they write. And I always say, why do you, and I noticed like it was four different guys. And I said, why do you do that? He said, well, I can either risk it all and start a whole new business to hopefully do $200 million a year, or I can just save $200 million that I already made. Yeah. Why the hell do I need to do this? Instead of do this, if I, if I got to pay a billion dollars in taxes, I'd rather only pay $600 million in taxes, $700 million. Why start a whole new business? Pretty smart. Yeah. I love that. I already made it. Yeah, exactly. I love that, man, because you also, because you have your course and you're learning every day. Education has been such a big part of your life. 100%. You know? Yeah. Every day as you go on. Every day. You, you said big money there. What does big money energy mean to you? If I just said that phrase to you. What would you think about? I, I can interpret it different ways. I, I've never heard it before until you said it. Big money energy to me means either, you know, you think of the big money wolf of Wall Street energy, like in a room like that, where I'm not sure that's good. I'm just saying that. Or you think of big money. They come in when a person just has that thing and they think big. They operate big. You know, they just think big. You know, yeah. when I'm out, those guys, a lot of times they're they're talking about, you know, so I'm in a room with wealthy people and super wealthy people. The difference between wealthy and super wealthy is the wealthy people that I see or the rich. I don't want to say wealthy because wealthy is a, a lot of different things in life. Sure. They talk about how big their parties are, how big their houses are and stuff like that. The really, really rich people, they talk about how much money they gave away this year. So I was in a house uh, a little while back, and I remember this woman walking walking us all around, and she's like, oh, look how big this house is. Look how big this is. And then she just came into money. And I remember somebody who I happen to know, VC, said, wow, you, you live really well. You live better than Warren Buffett. She shut the fuck up after that. <laughs> so, you know, big money energy is just, you know, really, really, really just thinking big and, and being humble, I think, also. I think for sure. Talk to me about your book. Power Shift. Power Shift, book number five. All right. So I wrote this book because it, I, it was like one week that a lot of people came to me and they were asking me about or trying to get advice about changing their lives and various other things. And I'd ask them, what did they do? And they, a lot of people felt that they were inundated or they didn't know where to start or they needed a lot of money or they needed this, they needed that when it was really their mentality of how to change their life and what they can do with what they have right now. And uh, and then I also started to realize that people think that power shift and shifting power is either taking it away and being just this massively mean person. And a lot of the time power shift is passing the power on to you on the other side of the table, you appreciating it. And 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 I wanted people to understand how uh, to become powerful. It's a three-step process. First, you have to build influence, like you and I were talking, right? Sure. You have to build influence first. Then you negotiate what you want for both parties, and then you nurture the relationship afterwards. But people are so transactional. 
They're so just like this. So what do you do when you run into a Ryan in the elevator and you have a 90 second pitch and you didn't have time to build influence with them? Well, if you have the pitch and I do a lot of pitches in here that are rock solid, Ryan and Damon, we're going to look at your at your Instagram later on. Did you build influence through there through the right way? Because I'm going to look at the language and everything you're doing and how you're representing yourself. If you happen to be taking pictures with a misogynic, racist, racist friend all the time and you're wondering why I'm never calling you back, well, maybe because I've just followed all the things around you and realized that it's a facade you're putting out there and this is actually where you believe. Nothing wrong with that. Maybe you'll find somebody else who's a racist, misogynist, a pig who wants to be down with you. <laughs> but, you know, it's all about this 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 form of taking power back because people think that they've either lost power or somebody had to give it to them. That's why I told you in 1989, that Good Friday, I realized nobody had to give me power. I was in charge of myself. Yeah. And so I have a lot of subjects in here from uh, Chris Jenner to uh, Clay Newbill, the guy who is, you know, Mark Burnett, but Clay Newbill is the producer of our show. Yep. He's had to see thousands of pitches to get people to come in front of the Sharks. Probably like 10,000, right? How, what got you past Clay Newbill to go to the Sharks? I got Mark Cuban in there. I got Pitbull. I got people you won't know in there who are extremely successful people and how they have used power in their lives. Look at the Kardashians. It's a subtle power that they use, but it's in the book on how they have built influence over the course of their lives and, and how they're so powerful, right? So it's a blueprint, right? It's the, the power blueprint. blueprint. It's the blueprint. The reason why I put so many different subjects in there is because I got I got in there Billie Jean King who changed the face of tennis. Yeah. You know what I mean? This is not all about money. This is about power and movement and giving. And that's why I put the blueprint in by various different people because you'll start to see something that underlines other things from body language when you're discussing with people to negotiation tactics to pitching. And if you just take one or two of them, you're not going to absorb the whole thing. And maybe not it's not for everybody, but you take one or two of them tomorrow and it starts making you better and stronger. You keep adding to your artillery. You're going to realize. I mean, the only difference with anybody in the world is what we have ever negotiated. Yep. Thousand percent. That's it. Yeah, man. I live my day negotiating all day long. Yeah. The first person you got to negotiate with is a one-year-old. Yeah, exactly. Well, the first person is, is yourself. She is manipulative. Oh, wow. For sure, you will see you will see that in her. I mean, I'm sure you're seeing it now. Like, but when but when they're two, they know how to play daddy against mommy, against caretakers, against teachers, against everybody. It's a natural thing that we have, but a lot of people don't realize how to master it. A two year old knows how to master it. Yeah, they just forget it because people move them into a corner or they don't yeah, yeah, get what yeah. they want. But you two learn. Year, two year old is learning. They're yeah. learning. Yeah, yeah, you know how to. Yeah, you learned super early on how to how to manage people and manage expectations. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, awesome, man. I, I'm I'm super excited about the book. Uh, I want to wrap up one minute. You got yep. it for me. Yep. Okay. Super quick. What's your favorite movie? Shit, I don't know. Tropic Thunder. <laughs> That's a good movie. What you mean, you people? Yeah. <laughs> That's a good movie. <laughs> um, what's the worst job you ever had? Uh, running BX cable and burnt down Ugh. buildings in the Bronx. Ugh. Yeah. That's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. Do you have a favorite quote? Money is a great slave, but a horrible master. That's a good one. Oh, no, wait, 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 wait. Don't tell anybody your problems. 20% don't care. The other 80% are really happy you have them. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite word? Fuck. Yeah. If you could be any animal, what animal would you be? Come on. You know what I got to say on that one. But maybe it's not that one. Maybe um, it's a different one. Maybe it's like a platypus or like something weird no one ever thought about. You're like, dude, no one knows this, but I really, really, really. Uh, um, I would have to say a shark. I guess because I'm a Pisces as well. I've always related to it. Good old Pisces. If you could live anywhere in the world other than New York. Um, Miami. 
What's your favorite song from the 90s? Paid in Full. Cool. I don't know if that's 90s. That's 80s, actually. Rock Him, Paid in Full. 90s, I don't know. Mm. Sorry. What's the last lie you told? The last lie that I told. I'm not going back to Golden Corral again. (laughs) Thank you, man. Thank you so much for coming on. You are the best. Damon John, your book, Power Shift Everywhere, the course. Everyone knows where to get it. Uh, You are the man. You've got big money energy. Thank you, dude. I appreciate it. If you're ready to take action today based on Damon John's entire blueprint for how he got to where he is, go to bigmoneyenergy.com slash podcast to download an action plan I put together for you, as well as the show notes. That's bigmoneyenergy.com slash podcast. Find more podcasts like Big Money Energy on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Big Money Energy is hosted by me, Ryan Serhant, and it's produced by Mike Coscarelli and Joe Laresca and executive produced by Christina Everett. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council.